When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show. San Francisco is a beast. This is the best football team in the NFL as far as I'm concerned. This is going to be tough tonight. And Daniel Jones, look, we thought that he took a beating in that game against the Dallas Cowboys on that opening Sunday night. I got a feeling we might be sitting there tonight asking ourselves the same exact question out loud. What is Daniel Jones doing in this football game still? Because I know the Niners are about a 10.5 point favorite at last look for this game tonight. I, I, I would be very surprised if the Giants are able to cover that number and if the Giants are able to keep this thing even at single digits because the Niners are that good and the Giants are beat up right now. This is a tough assignment for them. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. That's got themselves a pretty big one coming up on Sunday afternoon as they take on the division rival New England Patriots, a Patriots team that's defeated them 14 consecutive times. So let's dive a little bit deeper into the Pats and bring on our good pal. He is, of course, the founder of the Boston Sports Journal. He went to an outstanding, one of the best public universities in all the land as well. He is our good pal, Greg Bedard, who's nice enough to join us on the program. Greg, great catching up, my friend. How are you? Good. Don't forget uh, football, Big Ten football and basketball power. Apparently, You're damn right about that. Okay. First, let's get to the important stuff here. 3-0 and start to the season. I know that Saturday could be dire. I'm not having any delusions here. But overall, your theme, your thoughts onto this team, is there a chance you think that this could end up in a bowl berth when all is said and done? Uh, maybe one of those lesser bowls. But, you know, I'm not um, – while it's I'm progress. very glad they're – yeah, while I'm very glad they, they're 3-0, and um, I wouldn't say they've been overly impressive. And, uh, you know, it's – a lot of Rutgers game could be similar to the Jets Patriots games that we're going to see uh, this this weekend. With uh, points are at a premium, I'll just say that. Well, I'll just to whet your appetite for basketball. I went down to uh, hang out with Coach Peichel, um about a month ago down there and Lucky talking about you. the team. He said it's the most athletic team that he's ever had, and we're better than last year. So you know what? We got to go dancing this year, Greg. That's the only expectation. No question, but no question. All right, so let's talk about this Patriots team here. We're not used to seeing them 0-2 two weeks in the season. I mean, the last time that happened, uh, I-, I would say things had a happy ending for them, but something tells me it's not going to end up with a Lombardi trophy again this year. What is the tenor up there as far as uh, how this fan base is receiving this football team? Not good, Dan. Um, you know, there are certainly some, you know, Patriots optimists who, you know, just – want to look at the end result, which is, you know, reasonably close losses to the Eagles and Dolphins, two teams that are expected to be, um, you know, if their quarterbacks stay healthy, expected to be contenders this year. So, you know, that's, that's not bad, but you know, those that are realistic um, look at how they keep falling behind. Look at this. Isn't just this year. Oh, I think we lost Greg. That's what that means. Whenever you hear that sound, that is the one sound that you don't want to hear when you have a guest on the line because that means the call dropped. 
we'll get him back, and uh, we will continue his conversation here. But, you know, just, just to build off of what I was saying a little bit earlier with Mac Jones, and I told you that statistic, you know, he's 0-13 in his career when the opponent scores 24 or more points. How about this one as well, which I thought was pretty interesting. In games where the Patriots are down by a touchdown in the fourth quarter, he's 0-12. So that's another thing you shoot for if you're the Jets. You know what? Have a lead of about seven points in the fourth quarter of the game. That might also serve you well here. But, yeah, I, I mean, just try – I mean, look, in this world, it's a small world, right? Especially with the uh, Internet, you're able to keep up to what everything is happening in other markets and cities and towns. I mean, you just see, like, the stuff coming out of Boston and New England on this, uh, on this Patriots team. It's like – I guess when you win six championships, you must think that you're entitled to one each and every season. It's a little bit, I assume, with what's happening with Yankee fans. And especially as the season evolved for them this summer and as they played themselves out of contention and you knew that it was going to be a struggle and all those type of things, Yankee fans think that it should be, obviously, a championship or bust every single season. Right? And the Patriots, I guess, are feeling the same exact way, even though the guy who was probably most responsible for everything that you accomplished, is no longer there in Tom Brady. Now, it was a tremendous partnership, as we know, between him and Bill Belichick, but Brady went out to have success down at Tampa Bay. And since he went south, Belichick has been hard-pressed to recapture that same type of success with the New England Patriots. I know they made the playoffs that one year, but, I mean, he's got a losing record since Tom Brady walked away. And I don't know how much longer he's going to do this. I mean, these are all some questions that obviously I'd like to pose to Greg. And when we have him back on the line there, we'll continue our conversation. But, you know, this is a different Patriots team. It was a different Patriots team last year. It didn't go the Jets' way, right? Self-inflicted wounds are what cost them those two games against the Pats last season. And that's why I said that you don't want to play into their hands and make mistakes, which they are just going to feast on any chance that they get. So now we bring Greg Bedard back uh, onto the line. We got the phone straighted out. So, Greg, you were saying about the, the fan base and the Patriots and how things have started here. Yeah, it's, um, it's not good. I mean, you know, some people are, you know, being optimistic about, you know, look, they lost two – they had chances to tie or win both opening games against the Eagles and the Dolphins, two really good teams off to good starts. So, you know, that's not terrible. But – you know, you look at the big picture of, you know, where the team is and, and, and how they're doing and, and how they played this game, these games, it, you know, hasn't been good. I mean, they've gotten off the terrible starts. They, they trailed the Eagles 16 uh, nothing. They trailed the Dolphins 17-3 at halftime. Like, you're not going to win many games this way. And, and the big problem is, is it's not, this isn't a recent thing. You go back to last year, they're 2-7 and seven in their last nine games, and the two wins are against – the Cardinals, when Kyler Murray got hurt on like the third play of the game, and the Dolphins, when Skylar Thompson played the bulk of the game. So um, there, there is a lot of concern in New England about you know the potential for an 0-3 start. How much of the blame do fans put on the feet of Bill Belichick? And we look, his legacy is secure, everything that he has accomplished. But have they kind of turned on this guy a little bit for how things have gone the last few years? Yeah, it's starting to get that way, Dan. I mean, you know, you just, you know, you looked at this team, if you're objective, like I like to think that I am, sure. um, you know, you looked at this team and, 
you know, what have they done to support their quarterback? I mean, Mac Jones is, um, you know, he's played winning football, hasn't been mistake-free, hasn't been perfect. I mean, but, you know, let's take last week's game, for example. He and Tua missed the same amount of throws. They both threw interceptions on the plus area of the field. Uh, that probably cost their team points. But, you know, one of the quarterbacks is an MVP candidate, and the other one, you know, gets some criticism from the fan base. And, you know, what's the difference? The difference is, is that the Dolphins can block right now, even though they have uh, a lot of guys out on the offensive line. And the bigger thing is they have a great scheme, um, a great offensive head coach, and they have dynamic weapons that, you know, like, for example, the Patriots played three deep safeties to start last game. I mean, that's, that's a ton of area to, A, run the ball, and B, throw the ball in. And instead, the Patriots, they don't have any of that. They can't block anybody. And they don't have any weapons to scare anybody, so people just clamp down on them. And it's, it's a very tough way to live. They have Basically, Mac Jones has to be perfect. The blocking has to be perfect for this team to compete offensively. And right now, they just, they just can't do it. They've actually thrown the ball better than they've run it so far. Now, that might have to do with also falling yep. behind and playing catch-up a little bit. But is it, you know, the things that you read coming out of there, it, where does the head coach stand on the quarterback? Because all I read is that the coach isn't necessarily in love with them, but the owner is what's keeping Mac Jones around. Is that fair or no? Um, possibly in the offseason. You know, I, I, I do think, um, I, I think Bill, Mac has won Bill over during the course of training camp. I mean, to the point that where, you know, they put Bailey Zappi on waivers. I mean, you know, there was a segment of the fan base that wanted Bailey Zappi to compete for the starting job this year. And, um, you know, that didn't really materialize. And, you know, so, you know, there was a time Mac was the only quarterback on the team. I think, I, I think what you saw was, you know, there were a lot of things that went on last year with the whole Matt Patricia offense and, you know, how much the players bought in. And I don't think, you know, Bill was really thrilled about some of that stuff. And what you saw this offseason was basically, you know, something akin to, you know, Bill Parcells and Phil Sims. A lot of, you know, tough love, you know, I'm, I'm going to make you earn everything that you get type of thing. And I think Mac has done that. And, you know, I think Mac's on board. But, you know, these guys got to start having success. Some of, some of it's not their fault. I mean, you know, both their guards, um, you know, were out almost all of training camp. You know, one of their tackles – who was going to play right tackle. He was out almost all training camp. Trent Brown missed last week with a concussion. So there's been some bad luck involved, but, you know, nobody really cares in the NFL, Dan. I mean, if they go 0-3, basically their season's over. They go to Dallas the week after. You're mm -hmm. looking at 0-4. I mean, they have to get a win this weekend. I mean, it's an absolute must. Jets are saying exactly the same thing, and they're not even 0-2 at this point. Just to, yeah. just to show you the enormity of this football game and the fact that it's a Division One as well. We're talking with Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal here on 98.7 ESPN. You mentioned Matt Patricia and that whole disaster with the offensive coaching staff last year. Bill O'Brien, okay, do you feel that his imprint on this offense is something that's been established versus what we saw from this team last year? I think so, Dan, but it's, you know, it's it, how much you can see is limited just by, you know, the offensive line. I mean, the, they obviously went into the opening game against the Eagles knowing that, I mean, they went with, there were two rookies playing guard. One of the guards, City So, hadn't even played guard in camp. He had just played tackle, and they were scrambling at uh, right tackle. And you could just tell against the Eagles front and how good they are on the defensive line, 
that they went in with the plan it was probably wise that like look we can't sit back here we can't we're not going to be able to run the ball against them they tried early it didn't work and then it was a bunch of you know short dink and dunk sort of you know get the ball out of max hands as quickly as possible and so you know and then you know, last week against the dolphins you know the score got out of hand and you know like you said they I mean, they lead the league in pass attempts. That's not something that the Patriots want to be doing. I mean, it's not like they have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. And so, um, you know, his imprint is definitely there. You just wish that, that Belichick, the GM, got them a little bit more to work with. I mean, you know, they, they decide not to re-sign Jacoby Myers, go with Juju Smith-Schuster, who doesn't look healthy, hasn't looked healthy the entire time coming back from the injury. They don't sign DeAndre Hopkins. Devontae Parker misses week two. I mean, week one. He's, you know, he's, quote, unquote, their best wide receiver, and he's not even that good. I mean, they just – there's not a whole lot to work with. And, and O'Brien's trying – O'Brien and Mac Jones are trying the best that they can. Um, you compound the, the offensive line issues, and it's, it's been a tough go so far. And on the other side of the ball, look, we know Belichick, the defensive genius, but just watching tape of them so far the first two weeks – not a heck of a lot of speed on that side of the ball. And I mean, I mean, no, Miami's one of the faster teams in the league, but you saw so many times how they, once they got out on the edge, they really went to town on that defense. And I mean, that's probably an area the teams are going to look to exploit against them this year. And I guess that there's only so much you can scheme up to try to compensate for just a lack of athletic ability, right? That's what I see on the defense. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say it's been a little bit disappointing, you know, their, the, the front of their defense. You figured they, at least the defensive line. And they're certainly strong at safety. I think uh, Christian Gonzalez, um, their first-round pick at, at cornerback, has been you know really good so far. Um, he'll get another test this week, like he does every week. But um, you know they just—they're not making a whole lot of plays on defense. Um, and you're right against the Dolphins, the, the lack of speed definitely showed up. Um, you know, you figure they'll be able to do some things against the, the, the Jets and Zach Wilson, who they've had a lot of, you know, good fortune against. But, you know, they they, they got to do it on the field. What do you think is the shelf life right now for Bill Belichick? We know that he's, a, you know, probably at least a few more years away from passing Don Shula as the all-time winningest coach. Do you think that he hangs – I mean, does, let's put it this way. Is he the one calling his shots, or do you think that there's going to come a time if this team continues to, let's say, not be part of the postseason, that Bob Kraft steps in and say, well, you know what, thanks for the memories, but we got to make a change? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, Dan, um, they, they have had two losing seasons out of the last three years. Um, if, if things continue on the way they're going, it's going to be three out of four. Um, I asked Kraft that question directly at the league meetings, like, you know, or, or you just, is he just here to pass Don Shula or what? And Kraft said, you know, we're not here about stats. We're, yeah. we're here to win games. And, and they, they, they expect to do that. Um, I, you know, a lot of it depends on how, how bad it looks, but there's a lot of like sort of in, interesting coincidental things with this team. Like, you know, when you look at next year, they have the most cap space in the league. They have like $115 million. They haven't, they haven't extended any of their guys like Kyle Duggar, Michael Wenu, Hunter Henry. They have a bunch of guys in contract years. They got to make the the fifth year option decision on Mac Jones next year. And it, you know, if you're just looking at it, you know, they look like a team where maybe the owner and the coach have said, you know, this is sort of a one year proposition. We're going year to year, and let's see how it goes, and then we'll decide who's making the call uh, after the season. 
As far as the injuries go for Sunday, I saw Marcus Jones is all banged up, but anything else as far as significance is concerned for this game? Yeah, Marcus Jones, I think, was put on IR today. It looked like a pretty serious um, injury that he had on Sunday night. Um, that's somewhat of a loss, but they should be getting Jonathan Jones back uh, at cornerback. He's been back at practice, um, which is big for them. Christian Barmore has been a little bit beat up, but they're getting. it looks like they're going to get Trent Brown back at left tackle, um, which is almost a must at this point. Um, you know, they can't keep going this way on the offensive line, especially against this Jets front that it's just, you know, I look back at my stats from last year. I mean, the, the the pressure and run stuff rate that they had against the Patriots last year was just off the charts. And so they, the Patriots have to get better in a hurry. They have to be able to run the ball. They haven't been able to run the ball at all. You know, all that stuff needs to hit this week or they're, they're going to be in a bunch of trouble against this Jets defense. Well, somehow the last 14 times have all gone the Patriots' way, so odds are in their favor. We'll see what happens on Sunday, and there's always some sort of peculiarities that take place when these two teams get together, it seems like. Greg, always good catching up, my friend. We'll, uh, we'll see you on Sunday, but thanks for a couple of minutes. I appreciate it. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. All righty. There is Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal with the London on the Patriots. And, look, you heard Greg basically just articulate everything that we've been saying for the last few days about this Patriots team on paper, it is not very impressive, right? It, it is not an elite unit in any way, shape, or form. You just have to limit your mistakes if you want to beat them. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, join your favorite ESPN New York hosts at the Ultimate Tailgate Party located in lot G17 before the Jets take on New England this Sunday. We'll have plenty of tailgate games, music, and prize giveaways. The ESPN New York Ultimate Jets Tailgate is brought to you by Corona, Don Julio Tequila, and Guinness. Um, I don't know if there is going to be a waterproof version of the tailgate. They might need one, though, you know, if the forecast is uh, any sort of an indicator because it's going to be pretty um, pretty nasty if the weather sayers have their uh, input on things. Hopefully that's not the case, but just, just plan accordingly, and the show will go on and the party will go on, and everybody's going to have a good time out there, G17, before the Jets and the New England Patriots do their thing coming up this week. Well, the good news is the Giants have a sack. They got their first sack of the season. Pocket collapsed. Play broke down. Purdy was scrambling, and he got brought down behind the line by Kayvon Thibodeau. There you go. There you go. 
So we got a sack for the Giants. So they are off the schneid. They've got a sack. But the Niners have marched the ball deep into Giant territory right now. They're down to the 11-yard line on the opening drive of the game. So we'll keep you up to date if anything should materialize. Now, around the NFL, it's a tough day if you are the Dallas Cowboys, who, you know, you can make an argument that they have looked as impressive as any team in the entire National Football League so far the first two weeks of the season, right? 40 to nothing over the Giants, 30 to 10 over the New York Jets. But today they had a double dose of bad luck in practice as far as injuries are concerned because Trayvon Diggs, their uh, all-pro corner, according to reports, he may have suffered a torn ACL, and he could be done for the season. And that is brutal for it to happen in practice. Now, look, I don't know how the Cowboys structure their practice. I know that each team and each coach does things differently. But I've seen some you know, different players chiming in uh, after this news kind of came out about, you know, he was hurt in a one-on-one drill, like why they're doing one-on-one drills during the season. Like that should be something maybe that's only done during training camp. But uh, that, that is just awful. Like injuries to that nature are bad no matter when they happen. But for it to happen in a practice, that it's, that's just as bad as, you know, something like preseason. Gotta hate to see that. So Diggs looks like he could be down. And then Tyler Beattis, who's their Pro Bowl center, injured a hamstring today in practice so think about this these are two guys that certainly had a big impact in that win over the Jets on Sunday Beatus was the guy who actually recovered that fumble from C.D. Lamb almost 30 yards down the field but still showed incredible hustle to go get it and keep possession there for the Dallas Cowboys so that is a awful awful way to you know be on the doorstep of a game that, look, I understand you're playing the Arizona Cardinals this week and Arizona's no good. I get it. But, you know, you're thinking big picture here. I mean, those are two guys that the Cowboys need if they are going to go deep into the playoffs here and have themselves a really, really big-time season when all is said and done. So that's the Dallas situation. Also, we told you about it last night and once again today didn't practice again, and that's Bryce Young, the number one overall pick there for the Carolina Panthers who, look, we know that they're still trying to find their way. They're off to an 0-2 start. They go to Seattle this week to take on the Seahawks. Seahawks are coming off a pretty impressive victory over the Detroit Lions on the road. But could be Andy Dalton playing for the visitors this week. And look, at this stage of the game, this is where you walk that fine line. And every team has to go through it whenever you draft a quarterback that high up in the draft, like, Bryce Young being the first overall pick, right? We know that. Do you want to let these guys play? Do you want to let them get their experience? Because you run the risk that while they're getting experience, if the results don't match, then their confidence could potentially be shattered a little bit, right? And if they start to make mistakes, and if they don't have the immediate success that they had in college, I mean, you're talking about Bryce Young, who comes from Alabama, guy was a Heisman Trophy winner. You know, he doesn't know much about adversity, at least playing football on a high level but so far you know it's been tough for him you know he's taken a bunch of sacks already playing for that Carolina team and now you go into Seattle that's why if you're the Panthers and if you're a Panther fan right now I I don't know if I can sit here and tell you that Andy Dalton may just give you a better chance to win a game on Sunday than Bryce Young right now right and that's the trap again with young quarterbacks if you have a veteran backup 
you say, well, you know, that guy might actually give us a better chance of winning right now. I know that the other guy's our future, but if you play the veteran right now, we can win a football game. And even though that they're still very much in a rebuilding development stage as a franchise, the coaches want to win. Players want to win games. They don't just want to punt. I mean, if you're a veteran guy and you know that you're not going to be a part of this franchise, let's say in three, four years when they turn things around and start winning, you want to win. Right? You're not on their time. You're on your own time. You don't know how much longer you have left in this game. You want to make the most of it. So I feel for them. I mean, look, the Jets were in that situation a couple of years ago when, when, when Zach Wilson was a rookie. Right? And in hindsight, the Jets were saying, well, you know, we might have been better served having ourselves a veteran and having somebody there that, you know, might actually be able to pilot the ship. And let the kid watch on the sidelines. Maybe, just maybe. I don't know. But we'll see how it plays out. But you can't necessarily bet on Bryce Young if you have him on any sort of fantasy team or something like that being in the lineup coming up this weekend. Giant defense stiffens. They hold to a field goal despite the fact the Niners put together a 15-play drive. Ain't up over six minutes on the clock. So they're out to a 3 nothing lead. Giants will get their first possession at the 25-yard line. We'll keep you up to date if anything should materialize. When we come back, I mentioned the article that showed up in The Athletic on the New York Mets and kind of a peek behind the curtain as to how things gradually unraveled all throughout the summer as to where they became one of the bigger disappointments in the NFL this year. And a former Met actually speaking his mind about maybe not necessarily being a fan about the way some of his teammates were going about their business. We'll get into all that when we come back. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Don't forget tomorrow we got our football Friday spectacular. We're going to go through the week three games. We'll recap, of course, what happens to the Giants here tonight, how this story is going to end. We'll do our week three picks. We'll have Buttle on to talk about the Jets in his weekly spot. Everything that you can want here uh, in a football Friday. And I'll tell you, somebody, not to mention any names, somebody's going to have to bounce back when it comes to the picks because he just had an awful week last week. Sean McVay pointing the finger right at you. You want to tell me what you accomplished by kicking a field goal with no time left while you were down by 10 other than just make people like me Upset and angry. Giants are driving, by the way, inside the 35-yard line of the Niners. So they're putting a nice little drive together here. Good response by Daniel Jones and company. Uh, If you haven't already, 
as we switch gears now and talk a little baseball. If you haven't already, and you're a Mets fan, or you know what, if you don't like the Mets even, and you take pride in their misery and their misfortune, I would encourage you to check out an article in The Athletic by Tim Britton and Will Salmon, and it's called How the $445 Million Mets Crashed and Burned. You know, it's a nice little blow-by-blow of everything that's gone wrong and, you know, why it didn't fire this year, of course. But, you know, one section in particular that's gotten a little heat, and and rightfully so, because I think this is probably the, the juiciest takeaway from it, was something that was attributed to Tommy Pham. And Tommy Pham, of course, you know, had his moments uh, with the Mets, was actually probably their most consistent hitter at the time he was traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks. But Pham is one of these guys, you know, we talked a little bit about him during the show. He's, he's kind of one of these you could take him or leave him type of players. He could come off maybe as, as rubbing some people the wrong way. That's why he's kind of bounced around a little bit in his career and really hasn't been able to find one place and call it home. But he was good for the Mets. It's just that it wasn't the right situation that they weren't building that championship caliber team this year. And the fact that he had value, it was a no-brainer. A guy in a one-year deal that you would try to get something for him, and they did, and they shipped him off to Arizona. Now he's trying to help them get into the playoffs uh, on the National League wildcard side of things. But there was something interesting that they went out to a dinner in June. This is when they were playing the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Mets were struggling. I mean, they had an awful weekend series against Pittsburgh. And Tommy Pham went to dinner with Francisco Lindor, a couple of other guys on the team. Um, Eduardo Escobar, Francisco Alvarez, and they were you know, just talking about things. And, and one of the things that Pham says that he told Lindor, he said, quote, out of all the teams I played on, this is the least hardest working group of position players I've ever played with. Interesting. Okay. And Francisco Lindor would tell Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic that before Tommy Pham got traded to Arizona, Lindor said to Pham, hey, man, thank you for teaching me how to work hard again. Okay. Now, according to this story, the guys that he was not referring to, as far as everyday players are concerned, Lindor, Alonzo, and Brandon Nimmo. Those are the exceptions. So who's he talking about, obviously? Talking about Jeff McNeil? Jeff McNeil's an everyday position player. And I know that Jeff McNeil's also been somebody who's kind of fallen under the shroud of criticism by a lot of folks here over the last little while. You know, could he be talking about Starling Marte? Now, Starling Marte, remember, was in and out of the lineup this year because of injury. And still having a hard time coming back from that double groin surgery and still trying to work off the effects of that. And just was never really able to get anything going this season. And going to have to wonder how it's going to factor into his 2024. Because Starling Marte is still under contract for a couple more years for the Mets. And he was an all-star last year. And when healthy, he's a really, really good player. And it's obvious how much the Mets missed him not having his presence in the lineup, whether it was offensively, defensively, you name it. So... That comment gets out there, and then Jeff McNeil, possibly one of those guys in question, says that guys are super professional around here. We go about our business, and everybody comes ready to play and does what they need to do. Interesting. Now, you can look at this from a number of fronts. Number one, 
You could say, well, why is Tommy Pham the guy who's supposedly the pulse of the room, right? And he's the conscience of every guy in that clubhouse. Like, how many World Series rings does Tommy Pham have? Right? When has Tommy Pham been part of a winner? Tommy Pham, as I said, he's been a part of, let's see, one, two, three, four, seven teams. Seven teams. That's a lot of luggage tags. That's a lot of hotels. That's a lot of moving around. Seven teams in 10 years in the league. Right? So when there's smoke, there's fire. You know, it's like consider the source. Or do you look at it the other way? Because Buck Showalter was one of the guys this year that when Pham was still a member of this club, that he would actually sing his praises and would actually say that this guy is a valuable piece of the clubhouse, not just because he got hot and when the Mets were looking for anything as far as productivity is concerned offensively, like Pham was actually one of the guys who was pretty consistently reliable. But not enough of the other guys on that team did their part, and that's why the Mets sunk to the depths that they ultimately did, and they had to break this thing up. You know, when you don't win, this is how I always look at it, when you don't win, there's always going to be criticism. There's always going to be people unhappy. There's always going to be people pointing fingers. But I don't know necessarily if it needs to be said by a guy who isn't even really here anymore. Right? Like, he's done. Right? Fam should worry about Arizona. Should worry about the Diamondbacks. Trying to get them into the playoffs because... They've still got some stuff to figure out there as far as the wild card race is concerned in the National League. That's pretty competitive. That race changes, it seems like, day in and day out. So, yeah, there's a little bit of worry about your own business and don't concern yourself too much about the situation that you just left. Be thankful that you're not here anymore and that you have to play and you don't have to play in just meaningless, irrelevant baseball games down the stretch of a season. Right? So there's a part of that there as well. Mets got a lot of work to do this offseason. I think that goes without saying. David Stearns, he's going to come in here. He's got to go over with a fine-tooth comb everything that's kind of plagued this franchise over the last year. Starting with, okay, who's going to be the manager? We talked about it last night. I personally don't think that Buck Showalter's to blame, but he is a lame duck going into next season, and I think the Mets are in a situation where you go one of two ways. You're either going to say thanks for the memories and send him on his way, or you're going to give him a short-term extension by like a year just so he doesn't go into next season as a lame duck. And look, if you're asking me if I'm a betting man, what's probably going to end up happening? Given the fact that I can't see an extension taking place and you're going to have a new baseball czar entering the organization, he's going to probably want to bring in his own guy. He doesn't know Buck Showalter from a hole in the wall. As far as a relationship is concerned, they're always going to hire somebody that they feel comfortable with. That's the way this world works. That's how sports works. So the odds are stacked against Buck. But do I think that he is the reason that the Mets have played as poorly as they played this year? No, I do not. Do not. Right, and as I said last night, I mean, they've actually, he's actually managed to keep this team relatively competitive, even after they stripped it down at the trade deadline. You know, I think they're only like five games under 500 since the deadline, since he's taken a diminished roster out into the field. You know, you think about, like, everything that's happened this year for this team. Like, you actually have some 
standout individual performances. Like Kodai Senga, we talked about him last night. Kodai Senga is a guy who's probably going to finish in the top five of the Cy Young in the National League. Right? He's probably going to be like the runner-up and the rookie of the year to Corbin Carroll. Really, really good year. You have a couple of guys in that bullpen that have done a decent job. I say decent. You know, Pete Alonzo. You know, he's got another monster season when it comes to producing at the plate. 45 home runs, what, 115 RBIs. Who knows where he's going to finish off at? He might even finish off with 50 home runs again, right? So you have all of these guys having good seasons. You know, Francisco Alvarez has come up and hit 20-something home runs as a rookie. I know he went through a little bit of a lull, but I don't think it was any sort of a prolonged season-long slump, and yet here they are sitting in fourth and might as well be last place in the National League East. Just goes to show you, man, baseball, it's nice to have one guy here, one guy there, one guy here all doing their thing, but if it doesn't fire collectively, that's how you end up with a season like the Mets are having right now, which is basically waiting until next year for your next significant game. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> one quarter in the books in Santa Clara. Actually moving pretty quickly, actually. 3-3 three, three is our score between the Giants and the San Francisco 49ers, but the Giants are backed up deep in their own end, third and 16 from their own four when they come back from the commercial. They've lost yardage so far on this drive. you got Jones, who got sacked on first down by Nick Bosa, which is his first sack of the year, believe it or not, and that might not be his only one of the night. So they're still trying to play catch up here a little bit. Just live to see another down, get your punter on the field to be able to hopefully get you out of some uh, dangerous territory on the football field. But Giants have done a nice job so far here in the first quarter. 3-3 could have been a heck of a lot worse. Let's go back to the phones. 800-919-3776. Let's say hi to John in Huntington, who is up next here on 9870 ESPN. Johnny, how are you? Dan, how's it going? Johnny, what's the word? Talk to me. First and foremost, I want to speak your praises briefly. Uh, About two weeks ago, Yes. Shelton was going heads up against TFO. You did not flinch. You had conviction. I think you might have been the only person in the Northeast calling for Shelton over TFO uh, at the Open. So great call. Your your listeners are honed in, man. That was a great call. Johnny, I appreciate it. You're right. I did have Ben Shelton beating TFO. I I slightly miscalculated, though, on the women's side. Uh, when it came to Madison Keys, I thought she was going to go all the way to the final, and she blinked late in that match against right. Sabalenka, which happens. Tennis is a mental game as much as it is a physical game, and being out there by yourself, you can't sub out. That's what I tell people all the time. You know, you can't have somebody else pass somebody else the ball. It's all you. You are the only one out there, and it just didn't happen. But, Johnny, I appreciate that, and uh, hopefully we can give you some more winners moving forward. Hey, the, any, any plus 200 call is always appreciated, but – so uh, I just I, I'm a diehard Jet fan, diehard through and through. Yeah. Um, what what I'm kind of clinging to to keep myself out of the abyss is the trade deadline, which is kind of looming here. Like you know we're wrapping up September, 10:31 is really not that far away. So I'm just gonna try to muscle through the next two or three starts with Zach Wilson. Am I crazy to think that? You know, this is not the guy under center in November and December. Like, at some point, the Jet brass will 
kind of smarten up and just pull the trigger on something. We hope Minnesota loses this weekend. We hope, you know, uh, maybe Cousins is maybe a one-year fling. I mean, am I crazy to think that Wilson's maybe got four or five week t- weeks tops? Let me let, let, let me because you mentioned Cousins and we lost Johnny there on the call. But Johnny, thanks for calling in. Let me remind people about Kirk Cousins, because I know that there's a lot of chatter out there, and sometimes people just, like, throw names out there irresponsibly, which I think is happening in this case with Cousins. Number one, Kirk Cousins has a no-trade clause. So Minnesota can't just pick up the phone and trade him to whatever team offers the best compensation in return if he says no. Okay. Number two, you might say to yourself, well, why would he say no? Jets might have a better Jets have a better roster than the Minnesota Vikings. So why wouldn't Kirk Cousins want to go play for a winner? Well, guys, remember something. Back in 2018, when Kirk Cousins was a free agent, after he couldn't get franchised again by Washington, Jets had interest on him. Now, granted, it was the previous regime, but they had interest on him, and they offered him a lot of money. They actually offered him more money than the Minnesota Vikings ended up signing him for. But Kirk Cousins kind of used the Jets as leverage, I think a lot of people feel, to try to drive up the price as much as he could from Minnesota to where he ultimately got the deal that he did. So if he didn't want to come to the Jets in 2018, why would he want to come to the Jets now? And furthermore, why would the Jets be receptive to maybe bringing in a guy that didn't want them once upon a time? I don't know that to be true, that last part, but I'm just saying from Kirk Cousins' standpoint, right, he took less to go to Minnesota. That's all I'm saying. Now, trade deadline is October the 31st, which means if you look at the Jets' schedule, that is after seven games are complete in their season. That's right after, that's two days after the Giants game, which would be the seventh game. If you're a Jet fan right now, and I said to you, I'm not even going to talk about the Giant game yet. Let's go into the bye week, because the Jets have their bye week before the Giant game, the weekend of the 22nd. If I said to you, the Jets will be 3-3 three and three after six games going into the bye, would you take that? 3-3 three and three with Zach Wilson as their quarterback, would you take it? I think you have to, because you would have probably signed up for that if Aaron Rodgers was still the quarterback. Now there's a part two, though, to this question. If you're 3-3 three and three going into the bye week with Zach Wilson, Would you take it and then also sign up for another 11 games of Zach Wilson the remainder of the season? Because you know what? Three and three might be enough, depending on how you get to that three and three. That might be enough for the brass to look at it and say, I think we could win like this moving forward. Now, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that they won't bring in a backup insurance policy. I think if you're talking about a type of quarterback the Jets would bring in, it's not going to be as much somebody of the likes of Kirk Cousins. You're probably looking at somebody more along the lines of a Mike White. And I'm not saying it's going to be Mike White, but my point is it's, you know, somebody who isn't a definite, let's say, starter, but as a, you know, in a pinch could come in and start a game for you, maybe win you a couple of games, that type of a player. Certainly somebody with more experience than, let's say, a Tim Boyle. Because right now, you know the old slogan about backup quarterbacks, you're only one play away. 
And right now, if something were to happen to Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle's the guy. And I don't think you'd feel comfortable with that. No knock on Tim Boyle. But there's a reason that the first game against the Buffalo Bills, he wasn't even dressed for the game, right? He was a so-called healthy scratch. You got to probably go out and get another arm just for insurance policy. But you're talking about somebody that could come in and actually, like, start games for you? I don't know about that. Have to see how these next four unfold. And it starts on Sunday because it is a real, real big one. Giant defense had a chance to get off the field, make a play. Type of play you need to make when you're shorthanded. San Francisco, they had a penalty on Williams. It was third and 15. Odds are in your favor. Quick screen to Debo, and they gashed him for a big gainer. Move the chains. 30-yard play. Can't give those up. Anyway, thanks to Greg Bedard and thanks to Jordan Renan for joining us tonight. Thanks to Joe and thanks to Harvey. Tomorrow, right after TMKS at 6.30, our big Football Friday extravaganza. Looking forward to it. Gordon and Larry are up next. Dan Gross is saying so long. 98.7 ESPN. Daniel Theopolis Jones, TFO.